Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're a man who can help me. Sometime in mid-19th century, 1850s, my great-great-great-grandfather, Jean Bourdin, emigrated to South America. <laughs> was reported to have died here. Might have been a seeker of utopian dreams. You know, my aunt used to tell stories he was into arms smuggling or who knows, you know, no idea. For most people, Paraguay is an empty space on the map of Latin America. A country of only six million, where a vast percentage of the land is steaming hot jungle, or a huge scrub desert known simply as the Chaco. Only a few large cities offer a respite from the oppressive heat. A thousand miles upriver from the Atlantic Ocean sits Asuncion, Paraguay's remote capital city. Known largely for being a post-war refuge for fleeing Nazis, and a long line of extremely unpleasant dictators, this place, of all the places in the world, is where my great-great-great-grandfather, Jean Bourdin, disappeared without explanation sometime in the 1850s. I'm told you're a man who can help me. Hi. How do you do? Federal? How do you do, Tony? Do you do? I call you Tony? Please. You are for the first time in uh, the country? First time in Paraguay, yes. 
Lido Bar in Asuncion has always been like the central switchboard, a gathering place. Ladies in orange vests cook and serve old-school Paraguayan working-class food to people from every walk of life. This place is very unique in Asuncion. Yeah? I've been here for more than 50 years. All right, let's get something to eat. I'm hungry. Okay. Empanadas de carne. Big envelopes of dough filled with beef, onion, and hard-cooked egg. Deep-fried to perfection. Cattle is the big business of this country. It used to be cattle and smuggling. These days, it's still cattle and some smuggling. You see a lot of beef, is what I'm saying. Mmm. Oh, that's good. This country is a mystery to, to most people. What little we know of the country generally comes from Nazis and Germans hiding in Paraguay from war crimes. I mean, do you think that's undeserved reputation? Well, I don't think. I don't think it's fair. Paraguay it's fair. is a nice country. Paraguay is a beautiful country. Pedro is a private investigator, one of a team of people I sent out looking for the mysterious lost Bourdain. What kind of investigations are you called upon to do? Normally, is uh, counterfeiting. Ah, this is sort of the counterfeiting capital of the world. In the old days, it is said that much of this counterfeiting had partners in the government. Not so much anymore? I rather don't, don't, don't answer that. I mean, I'm, I'm not a politician, and yeah. I live in here, so... General Alfredo Strassner was the last of his kind in Paraguay. Of German heritage, he ruled the country until 1989 with a quiet Bavarian charm. But behind the scenes was another thing. Utilizing an outfit of SS-trained secret police referred to as the hairy-footed ones, he tortured and tossed dissidents out of helicopters over the jungle, and the list goes on. Under Strassner, one in four Paraguayans is said to have cooperated, willingly or not, as paid informers on their fellow citizens. It's quite a history, this country. Crazy, tragic, violent. Let me put it this way. Things are changing a lot. And now, things are getting a strike. Sometime in the mid-19th century, 1850s, Jean Bourdin emigrated to South America, first in Argentina, but apparently came here. That's really almost all I know for sure. Did he die by the sword? Did he die of old age? Did he die of syphilis? I have no idea. I'd like to know. I'd love to find a gravesite. That would be great. You know, my father died at 57. Uh, his father at, I think, 20, in his 20s, I believe. I'll be 58 in June. I think I am the longest living male Bourdain in possibly ever. <laughs> so you're lonely Even, in the world. I am lonely in the world, yes. <laughs> if I could solve the mystery of the elusive uh, Jean Bourdain, that would make me very happy. By the way, it would be terrific if you found out that he owned a huge ranch in the Chaco and they've been waiting to, for his relatives to claim his property. <laughs> nah, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> I'm trying to make some sense of this country. You lived here how long? I'm since 22 years. Too long, maybe. Uh, what a strange and nice country. Go to Paraguay, find a German to show you around. Not so crazy or unrepresentative. 
People came to this country from everywhere to, as Emerson called it, make their own world. Peter, I'm Tony. Nice to meet you. So, what's good to eat here? I suppose you want something Paraguayan. Yes. <laughs> beef ecogua. It's arroz rice with fried beef with an egg on top. Oh, Dennis, I'm there. Good. And there is a soup whose name is Bori Bori. That's very, very old Paraguayan stuff. Little corn balls. Well, that looks good. It looks very good. I, yeah. That's good, man. I'm trying to make some sense of this country. You lived here how long? 22 years. Why'd you come here in the first place? I was born in East Germany. And East Germany, that means you will never go out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then in 89, the wall break down and say, wow, you will go. I haven't seen anything of this country yet. But what I read was the world's backwater filled with bombed out banks that had been looted, institutions that didn't work, everyone carried a gun. It was like the Wild West, but poorer. It's not that anymore? Uh, a bit of this is true. Uh, I by myself got a 45 on my head last week. That's, that's pretty common stuff for me. Seldom in the history of the world have I seen any country where one after the other you've had absolutely the most maniacal, insane, suicidal group of piss-pot dictators century after century. You are right. Even in the Stresno times, the, the better part of Paraguayans was behind him. Paraguayans are very, very easy to influence. And this is, I believe, unchanged until a short time ago. Now there is a growing middle class, better education than before, and that makes that people say no. How was the soup? I liked it, yes. It was the way that my wife well. cooks it. <clears throat> I like it better with chicken, but chicken is more for Saturday. Paraguay was a very poor country. The Spaniards came because they thought there was a lot of silver in the area. They found nothing, so they lost interest in Paraguay. This is the only country of Latin America where the indigenous language is the official language. They talk Guarani automatically. I'm married to a Paraguayan woman, and when her fathers come in, they automatically talk Guarani, and I'm more or less out. A proudly mestizo society. Yes. Was it the Francia? Yeah. El Supremo. El, El Supremo. Gotta love it. A nearly 200-year succession of dictators began in 1811, when José Gaspar Rodríguez de Francia declared himself El Supremo for life. 
De Francia insisted Paraguay become a mestizo, mixed-race society. Paraguayans are not neither Spanish nor uh, Indians. We are mestizos. Yeah. El Supremo forbid marriages between whites and whites. He produced the mestizos by force. Today, 95% of Paraguayans are of mixed Spanish and Guarani blood. And we usually speak the two languages. Right. So Central Market? Mercado Cuatro. Cuatro. This is the big one? The biggest one, the most popular one. I'm hungry. What's good here? We opted for uh, the soap from the Mandi'i fish. It's a little catfish. And, okay, the saying is that it makes man very powerful. Uh, what's he what's got over there? That looks good. Gnocchi and stew. There was a good Italian influence in Paraguay, so maybe this stew comes from this side. Colonists from all over the world. So you invite them, give them the catfish soup, make the card and beef <laughs> Mario, could you pass me the sopa paraguaya, the Paraguayan soup? That's soup? Yeah. Soup. It's very unique. Our dictator, Lopez, his favorite soup was a corn soup. And one day he ordered his favorite soup, and the cook, when he opened the pot, <gasps> it was a cake. Paraguay has not been noted for its history of kinder, gentler leaders. In the 1800s, two generations of Lopez, father and son, one dictator after the other, certainly left their marks on this country. Lopez was pretty much known that for putting a wrong stamp on a letter, you get shot. So the cook didn't want to get shot. He showed up in front of Lopez and said, this is Paraguayan soup, sopa paraguaya. And the dictator ate it and he liked it. And a bit later, the entire country eat it. It's like cheesy cornbread. Yeah. Awesome. Good meal. So this was the house or one of the houses of the notorious Madame Lynch. Right, exactly. Journalist, poet, and author Guido Rodriguez Alcala has written books on Paraguay's history. Now, who exactly was Madame Lynch? A murky background, would you say? There's a lot of talk about that. Right. Somebody say he was a great woman, or that he was a very evil one. She came over on the famous trip from France. Right. Succeeding to Francia in the 1840s, Lopez Sr. reversed many of Paraguay's isolationist policies. He invited foreigners to settle here and built one of South America's first railways. Its steam engines taken out of service only a few years ago. And he sent his son, Francisco Solano Lopez, to Europe. In his mission, his father had sent him out to get, what, arms? Uh... Arms and technicians, British engineers and machinery. Junior, by most contemporary accounts, was an idiot. So he came back with a mistress, Madame Lynch. Yes. Well, which dad wasn't too happy about. Right. 
He was very uh, traditional man, and wanted his son to marry a Paraguayan woman mm -hmm. and do everything by the book. Right. Paraguay's soon-to-be first mistress, Madame Eliza Lynch, was the already married daughter of an Irish doctor. Ambitious, social climbing, fond of nice things. Clothes imported from France, they say she brought to Paraguay the first piano. And there were parties here. He showed Madame Lynch to his father, and his father was upset. So she was put aside and... Kept uh, as a mistress. And that was the way Paraguayan society tried to treat her. And she wanted to be treated as the... Princess. Yes. Tell me about Madame Lynch's famous boat trip. On one of her more notorious ventures as hostess, Madame Lynch organized a grand outing to the new French colony at Nouveau Bordeaux. She invited all of society to join her. Right. A magnificent river steamer was engaged for the party. And well, there were some tensions between the Paraguayan ladies and Madame Lynch. Once on board, as the story goes, those mean bitches treated their hostess like so much trash. And so she got upset and threw off board all of the food which they were supposed to eat. She had it all thrown in the river? Yes. <laughs> then she ordered the captain to stop the boat and let her guests just sit there in that jungle heat for hours. Throwing tubs of caviar, whole roasted pigs into the river in front of these starving aristocrats. Somehow that pleases me. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Going back to the very beginnings, various groups with stars in their eyes came here seeking to create a utopia along ideological lines. A Mennonite paradise, repopulate Latin America with uh, Aryan uh, Germans, British, Italians, I mean, yet everybody. Yes, it started with the Jesuit colonies. Yep, uh, the new Bordeaux. I had a great, great, great grandfather come over to Paraguay around the 1850s right. might have been himself a seeker of some kind of utopian dreams. 
But they were originally from France. From, from France, yes. What city do you know? My great-great-grandfather was from near Bordeaux. So I'm, I'm curious about this whole episode of the settlement of Nouveau-Bordeaux. Paraguay River, still, as it was 150 years ago, the country's main artery. A thoroughfare for transporting people and goods. So who lives out there? Like all the people we see fishing on the uh, riverbanks, they're fishing for dinner? Most of them are fishing for dinner. Call them poor people. But what is poor? They decide by themselves to live here. They could go to Asuncion and start working on a construction place tomorrow. Peter has organized a trip upriver to see New Bordeaux. What was hoped would be a new France in the Chaco. Fish we bought today, 14 kilo. Right. That's half a month's salary. And you get with a bit of good luck in one night. Right. Outside of the cities, Paraguay is, of course, sparsely populated. Indigenous groups, a few settled Europeans, Mennonites, Germans, and every so often, a fishing lure and shotgun salesman. Peter, what are the shotguns for? Bandits, barments, uh, what? Uh... To hunt deer and water pig, capybara. That's a peacemaker. <laughs> Any rogue Nazis we could shoot? No. I am tempted by the offer of a cheap shotgun for sale. And it figures Peter would know this guy. But reason wins out. I don't, I don't think we're going to buy a shotgun today. <laughs> Me, beer, shotgun, hot sunny day, and producer, that's not a good mix. Unlike Madame Lynch's guests, I'm making damn sure I'm eating on this boat trip. Ah, the most important part of any meal, cold, frosty beverages. We already have one. I started early. Here. Cheers. Oh, here we go. Thank you. Grilled fish and a mango what? salsa. You have the two most appreciated fish here on the table of yeah. Paraguay. That's the catfish surubi. And that? That's the dorado, the golden fish. Oh, the dorado, of course, yes. Ooh, that's tasty. 
that's nice. So I'm, I'm curious about this whole episode of the settlement of Nouveau Bordeaux. There came about 400 people. They were supposed to be about 1,000. They were supposed to be, most of them, farmers. But just 86 were farmers. Who, who were the other people? Just... They were tailors, they were shoemakers, musicians. Teachers and artists, and they was put in the jungle and left by himself. Right. Why here, of all of the places in the world, people talk about the Chaco as a hell. I mean, it's hot here. It's dry, it's wet, it's fetid, it's difficult. Big mosquitoes, and you have all the ticks in all kind of vermin. A flat land of cactus and thorns and misery and cannibals. There was the Indians, the Guadiacuru coming down the river and killing everybody. There was the Lengua, who, if you enter the country, you are good food. Right. Did the Paraguayans ever see this as a utopian? No. I'm sure not. What we have ahead is Nueva Bordeaux. Where that? This. Wow. It's kind of not how I pictured it. Doesn't look like Bordeaux to me. There's nothing much left of Nouveau-Bordeaux. I'm told a small museum of artifacts. The site where the colony once briefly existed is now called Via Heis. The men who contracted them was given money for each settler. Perhaps there was a communication breakdown somewhere and he might have told the Paraguayans that I'm bringing you the finest farmers France has to right. offer. And he might have told these uh, Frenchmen, uh, oh, they're going to give you free property. You don't have to do anything. You'll live like kings. It's a land. Fossil. Just reach up in the trees and fruit and gold bars are dropping. In fact, they were thrown out in the coast and say, here you are. That's your land. Go ahead. These poor French guys show up. Right. Uh, Lopez Sr. And the government kept their side of the bargain. They provided them with uh, yes. uh, houses, right. equipment. Tools and animals and everything. Yeah, my aunt used to have one of these McPressed sandwiches, I think. And that's it. Okay, now dig, grow. The settlers quickly discovered that farming is hard work and that the conditions in the Chaco in no way resembled the new France of their dreams. It was a big snake. So they get broke, and they decide to leave the colony. How many French were left at the end of the, the new Bordeaux experiment? Did any stay? Some of them, but few. Any thoughts or hopes that Jean Bourdin ended his life here, leaving me a vast, unclaimed stake in what is now prime cattle country, turns quickly to dust.
The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. So you guys have some information, perhaps, on the elusive Jean Bourdain here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he did here. Of course, I'm hoping for something, you know, extremely glamorous. A river pirate, gun runner, drug smuggler. Maybe he died in the saddle. Maybe he died happy. Maybe he was like Colonel Kurtz living out in the bush, surrounded by adoring indigenous women. I don't know. You know, if he was a masseur at, uh, for Madame Lynch, I-, I guess I'd be let down. I contact with another historians and genealogists around the world, and the history of your family is very interesting. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah, your family, your grandfather, Jambo, then came to Montevideo following the song. Okay, the facts as I know them so far, I think, are this. My great-great-great-granddad Jean, his son, also named Jean, came to Montevideo, Uruguay, to live with his uncle. 1850, Jean Bourdain moves to Asuncion. This is the document that we have showing him arriving. There he is. In that time, he was with a chapelier. With a hat maker. Hat maker? I'm pretty sure he said hat maker, which I have to say disappoints me like a lot. And here you see Chapelier. The whole elusive wing of mysterious South American Bourdains were Project Runway contestants of their day. In 1855, Lopez's son arrived to Asuncion. Right, with Madame Lynch. With Madame Lynch. Madame Lynch was fond of uh, things like French uh, couture. Yes, yes, and that changed the way of dress in Asuncion. Madame Lynch might have been good for business. I try to put this in a light I can be enthusiastic about, like how clearly forward-thinking my relatives were. His customers, as a hat maker, the very people who treated Madame Lynch with such utter contempt, did they live in, in the colonial homes, the old mansions that we see still in Asuncion, that type of residence? Yes. Times were changing in South America, too, in those days, and society ladies craved the latest in au courant French fashion. There was money to be made. There was... I'm bummed. Short after this episode with the new Bordeaux group came the Triple Alliance War. Jean Bourdain died in 1858. Yes, B4. It was a good time to die because this way he hadn't to join this horrible war. He'd missed the war. Yeah. 
The old Lopez died, the young Lopez got in power. Our man becomes uh, president. Yes, Francisco Lopez. Absolutely the most maniacal, megalomaniacal, pisspot dictator. You are right. He was rather unkind to his siblings. His two brothers were tortured and killed. Right. And the sisters were jailed, taken into tiger cages. Tiger cages. Tiger cages. And the mother was given some beating. Right. Sixty-something. His sixty-something-year-old mother yeah. was flogged and beaten yes. in front of him. Not a nice man. He believed that he had a chance to get married with the daughter of the Imperator of Brazil. Of Brazil, that's right, yeah. yeah. He was refused in very unflattering terms. Thanks, presumably, to Lopez Jr.'s expansionist ambitions, he dragged Paraguay into the Triple Alliance War. He essentially challenged all three neighbors. Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay. To war. This doesn't seem like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Right. In what would become the bloodiest war in Latin America's history, hundreds of thousands of Paraguayans died. When Lopez ran out of adults, he sent children into the field, dressed only in rags, armed with sticks painted to look like guns. My great-grandfather was a 10-year-old boy, and he was dressed like a girl, because otherwise he was going to be enrolled in the army. Lopez, eventually he was hunted down. Madame Lynch survived. Yes, she survived. But with her money, I mean, she was allowed to keep her possessions. Yes. In history, it's hard to find a more disastrous or more cruel or pointless campaign, it would seem. When all was said and done, as much as 60% of the population and 90% of the men of this country we're dead. The survivors were just like 50 or 40,000 people. So that's why you could easily understand why there was nothing here for 100 years. Jean Boudin dies here. Yes, before the Triple Alliance War. An adult natural of France by the name of Juan Bourdain. Right, uh, cause of death? Not right. specified here. Is there a gravesite? We're looking. We are looking for.
so um, I'm hungry. I'm really hungry. You know you want it. It's late. You've had a few. No, you've had a lot. You want something greasy, savory, juicy, and nasty. This is it, the legendary Lomito. Right. That's what today's people eat in the streets of Asuncion. Lomito completo. An egg, a little runny, please. Some kind of meat-like beef patty thing. Throw on your lettuce and tomato. Two sauces, no idea what they are, and I frankly don't care. Soy sauce, I think, too, of course, because, yes. Layer it like the ruins of ancient Troy. Egg on top of cheese, on top of meat. Thank you. Now get wow. in my stomach now. Mmm. Sandwiches. Awesome. Awesome, good. Good awesome. All my greasy meat dreams have come true. That's good. <laughs> and at the last moment, and the last thing I give a steaming loaf about anymore is my long-dead relatives. I mean, I am over it. Here comes news of the big breakthrough. I talked with the historian, and he said, it looks like your great-grandfather, what he was merchandising, it was definitely not huts. Really? We have here Jean Bourdon. Right. And what is he bringing? 200 boxes of fireworks. Fireworks? Fireworks. Like firecrackers? There is not even more than 200 or 300 wealthy families who sometimes in a birthday would crack a little bit. Uh-huh. So are you, are you suggesting something untoward? Weapons. Weapons? Yeah. He was a merchant of death. <laughs> awesome. You know, my aunt always said he was a gun runner. We figured she was full of shit. I mean, she also said she was in the resistance, you know, but everybody in France said that. <laughs> arms. So was he ever a hat maker? Was this a cover job? Was he a hat maker slash arms? Are all these local researchers, historians, and geniuses on the money here? Was great, great, great Grampy an arms dealer? So what hat maker needs 200 tons of gunpowder? <laughs> I've got you now, Jean Bourdain. I've got you now. Or was he simply a party supplier? selling fine French hats and little firecrackers to school kids. I don't know what to believe. And in 58, unfortunately, he died. Right. And he was buried here, two miles from here, in Recoleta, mm -hmm. the rich people's cemetery. Yeah. We can pretty well say on which area he remains. He is there. Wow. Well, I guess we'll have to go look, huh? Definitely, yeah. Sorry, little buddy, there's no escape here. Paraguay loves their beef. 
the perfect ratio. A lot of meat, a little bit of vegetables, perfect. Mm. Oh, wow, that's good. This is the Estancia Cora Rodeo, a sprawling ranch bigger than some of the countries I've traveled to, and it's been in the family going all the way back to the Triple Alliance War. Hard life? No, good no, life. we are pretty happy here. <laughs> we have everything. 20 years ago, the juggle was not used. And the last years, it's booming. Where's the boom come from? We are the second biggest soybean exporter, the eighth biggest cattle exporter. Paraguay feeds the entire world for eight days a year. How many acres? Thousands. A hundred thousand hectares. Barbecue has to be included in a celebration. Barbecue, like asado. Asado, if you have sausages. Chorizo, morcilla, eat this all day. And I will. Plus barbecue, you are complete. That's <laughs> 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 good. So were there a lot of vegetarians in this part of uh, Paraguay? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, there comes the, what is for the Paraguayans the highlight. Oh, look at that. It's pretty. The beef short ribs are amazing. Mmm. So good. All of the books I read about Paraguay are maybe 15 years old. And I like the, the first device is, everybody has a gun, buy a gun. Cambió mucho en el gobierno, cambió mucho en la economía. Cambió mucho en lo que piensa, en la mentalidad. Mentality. This was not the Paraguay I, I expected. It's too all. different. He still wants to Alido. sing a song for you. A welcome song. To the foreign yeah. people. It says, it not says welcome stranger, it says welcome brother stranger. The Jean Bourdin who died here in Asuncion was my great, great, great grandfather. Yes. This old cemetery, Recoleta. I mean, it seems most likely that he was buried there.
Nobody I know. It's very, very likely that the tomb was just overbuilt. Right. Something on top. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.